And now, broadcasting from their secret hideout, Checkpoint XP presents a show about comic books and superheroes. Robbie Landis, Joe Sloan, The Other Identity. It's a comic, a movie. No, it's a podcast. It's The Other Identity. Welcome to the next issue, ladies and gentlemen. If you're new, we're a show about comic culture from Checkpoint XP. From Checkpoint XP, XP, the peak of Checkpoint stuff. Uh, Look at you. Look at you, professional. Yeah, that's right. You made that work. I sure did. And we are here each week at noon Eastern time on twitch.tv slash Checkpoint XP if you happen to be catching us on the podcast or over on YouTube. Now, if you want to catch us live, we do talk about the world of comics at large. And again, that's twitch.tv slash Checkpoint XP. Now, before we get into today's show, I'd like to remind all of our listeners that we don't just do comics. Checkpoint XP is the nation's first syndicated talk show dedicated entirely to esports and gaming. You can find out more over at CheckpointXP.com, our brand new website, which you should totally check out and... Be sure to sign up for the newsletter that we're going to be sending out here very, very soon. You can also follow us on all of our social medias. That's Checkpoint XP on Twitter, Facebook, and Checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram. From our flagship show to the daily shows, we also have low team damage and Overwatch talk show, Checkpoint 76 for Fallout 76, and tons of other content for every type of gamer, including the return of Dungeons & Dragons on Monday, which is going very well. But enough of that. I am, of course, joined by my co-host. Host, partner in crime, Joe Sloan. Joe, hey, how's man. it going? Oh, it's going. I think every inch of my body is sore and in pain right now. The entire weekend was dedicated to moving, painting, lifting, cleaning. It was a nightmare. I have no quippy comeback for that. So I'm just going to say, sorry, buddy, but it's all going to be worth it. Yeah, you're right. It'll all be worth it in the end. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for uh, for today's episode. I know you were really, really looking forward to talking about All-Star Superman. Yeah, like, I was. I, I, it's it's you, you've, shed, or you've shared that misery with me. I've gotten to experience it now. I shared it with Sarah. Uh, we're trying to share it with Nate. No, mm-hmm. he's being very resistant to watching it for after, reasons I after, can't after After saying once, oh, you know, you guys talking about it. I kind of want to watch to see how bad it is. Yeah, I know. And then I bring so, it over for him and he's like nah so we were going to talk about that today but unfortunately over the weekend we got the new episode or the new season of the punisher i guess mm-hmm. not unfortunately it's pretty awesome actually yeah, yeah. uh so we're going to be talking about the punisher today um as far as spoilers go i think we're going to keep the discussion kind of around the, you know the first couple episodes of the season and just talking about it in general rather yeah, than i think so the whole season i think so um one thing that i'd like to do uh is is talk about season one a little bit first because uh obviously the marvel netflix shows uh, uh all of them minus iron fist are something really special like they, they did amazing jobs with them right um in most cases, season two for each of them, whether it's Daredevil, uh, uh, Jessica Jones, uh, I guess some people are Luke Cage was probably better than than what the first season was. But in most cases, I feel like the second season tends to drop off a little bit for some people. Right? Um, I personally don't think that was the case with uh, Jessica Jones or with The Punisher. But one of the things that we've um, sort of applauded the Punisher for before, and then this is obviously entirely on Marvel and Netflix, is this 
there, there's no other Punisher that's like this. They did with Punisher what they should have done with Iron Fist, and they allowed him to evolve. They allowed to, they, they allowed themselves to change him to be able to fit better into our world, right? Has there ever been a Punisher that you've actually sympathized with before? No, I mean Punisher has always been one of my least favorite Marvel superheroes, and I put superheroes in quotation marks because. <laughs> <laughs> he's I mean, just a dude with guns. He's just a dude with guns, and he's a bit of an asshole most of the time. So, I, I've never been a big fan of the Punisher. I've never found his story that interesting. Kind of for the same reasons that, like, like it's like Batman with all the intrigue taken away. You know, Batman has his line that he doesn't cross, and that's kind of and him having to constantly wrestle with that line is what makes him interesting. Whereas. Punisher is more like just like, you know, he's a one man wrecking crew. Right, so right. I always kind of pictured it as like something, you know, in him when his family was murdered just broke and he just had this line where he's like, if you're a criminal, you die, period. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go out and look for everyone that I can to kill, period. Right. And at the end of the day, you're just a monster. Oh, yeah. Like you're just a bad dude at that point, and and it it stops being interesting for me at least. I mean, I mean, obviously Punisher did very well as a comic for a very long time, so it, he had his audience. Mm-hmm. But for me, I couldn't get into that. So when I saw the uh, TV series of Punisher, I really went into it not expecting a whole lot. Um, I only watched it because my girlfriend at the time wanted to see it. So. I was like, okay, well, I'll, g- I'll give it a try. And we got through the first two episodes, and we were hooked almost immediately. Well, uh, I mean, at that point, I, I assume you had already watched uh, Daredevil Season 2, right? I had Which, which seen... introduced him. Uh, no, I hadn't. I had only <gasps> seen Daredevil Season 1 I mean, when I first saw by, Punisher. By this point, you've, you've already wa- you've watched it now, right? Now I have, yes. Okay, great, good. Yes, now no. I have. But at the time that I first saw Punisher, no, I'd only seen Daredevil Season 1, and I loved Season 1 of Daredevil. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um but I hadn't gone ahead and seen uh, season two yet. So I was going to punish her uh, very blind, uh, which I mean, you know, the first episode does a pretty good job of recapping. I mean, that it happened. Right, right. Yeah. How he became the punisher and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So um, what I actually really appreciate uh, about this telling of the punisher is how reluctant he is to be the punisher. Like um, in the first season, we, we get, you know, that whole first episode where he's just taking abuse and punishment for lack of a better term. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's really... You feel like at any moment he's just going to snap and murder this guy, and he really doesn't, you know, until the very end of the episode when he finally, you know, steps up and decides, okay, I got to do something here. Right. No, yeah. Um. Uh, you know, it, it, it's really... Uh, interesting isn't the right word. Um, but uh, uh, recently, the creator of The Punisher came out and, and, and made a comment about law enforcement and, and, and certain, you know, military... Uh, personnel who actually go around and put the Punisher like emblem on themselves and basically came out and was like this, that, that you are taking the wrong message away from this. And what I think, um, sort of, uh, gets to me the most about that is that there were people who were doing that before this version of the Punisher came out. Like this version of the Punisher is a lot more relatable. Right, right. Uh, lost his family. I, I mean, I, I don't think that there's anyone who can't, uh, uh, at least begin to understand that type of grief. Mm-hmm. And, and at least wanting the people who are responsible for that to, to pay, I think, is something that people understand, especially within this light, because it's not like he's just going out and killing everyone that he absolutely possibly can, 
right? Right, and, right. No, it, and he actually talk, has a line that talks about that in the beginning of the second season where he says, I've got to be honest with you, I was being a little old-fashioned. If you'd have been a dude, there's no way I would have stepped in. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, the, that was actually one of the things that, because obviously by the end of season one, he finally wraps up, uh, you know, being able to take out everyone who had anything to do with his family. At that point, his mission is essentially done and i was really concerned going into season two how they were going to rope him back in were we finally going to see him as the punisher because something that john bernthal had said going into season one is that when season one starts he's not the punisher yet right and and it's not Mm -hmm. till the end that he actually finally becomes the punisher and actually even even though he has worn the costume and done the things mm -hmm. he hasn't really become the Punisher. Right, right. And actually, he even has a line in season two where when someone, you know, figures out who he is and, and mentions it, he actually snaps and goes, that's not a name that I gave myself. That, you know, they gave me that name, basically. Uh, which shows that even now, he's still reluctant to sort of embrace that or, or embrace what he is, which is another line he has where he says, just let me be what I'm supposed to be. <laughs> but to see how they decided to do it, you know, where, where he's actually, as far as we're aware from the end of season one to where season two starts, he's been leading a peaceful life. I mean, as far as we're aware, I mean, you know, he's driving around, just doing what he does, trying to enjoy himself. And he actually, you know, in, in, I believe it was season or sorry, season two, uh, uh, episode two, where, where he's uh, tying the girl to the bed, right? Where she wants to go. And he's just like, no, at that point, both me and my girlfriend were like pretty uncomfortable with it. Like Frank, man, this, this isn't like, this is, this is starting to get weird now, man. Yeah, no, that is, that's definitely a sequence where, uh, you're like, this could take a bad turn at any minute, and it's going to turn into something that I don't want to see. But you're right. Uh, what I think is, is really interesting between season one and season two uh, is kind of the juxtaposition of uh, in the first season, he really doesn't want to be the Punisher. He's done his thing. He's just trying to get on and lead a life now. And in season two, what they're kind of playing with is, no, you really do want to be the Punisher. You're telling yourself that you don't want to be that. You, mm-hmm. You're telling yourself, no, no, I want to just lead this normal life and try and have a chance at, you know, some sort of happiness. Well, he always has another, at least in his head, another reason, you know, because we see what he's doing with this girl and we're like, all right, you're, you're starting to cross a line now. But when you mm-hmm. think about it, uh, the, the bartender that he had met was probably the first time that he actually allowed himself to, to feel anything or have any sort of normal normalcy, right. right? Right. And what ended up happening is that he, because of actions that he took, she got hurt, right? Right. And the reason he's treating the girl the way that he is, she's she's bait. He wants the people who hurt this lady to pay, and she was the way to get to that. You know, so even in his head, I think he's still finding ways to justify what he's doing. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. Because his thing at this point, um, is he's I'm, I'm trying to draw the parallel here almost to like like star wars at this point where you know you've got like luke cutting himself off from the forest uh this guy has cut himself completely off from emotion basically in the beginning of season two and you're right the, the this bartender that he gets with is his first time where he allows himself any kind of not i mean obviously sex but just you know like joy or connection or empathy and when he does that it's like it's fun to see like immediately all the other things that come with that for him start showing up mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i think uh by the way um i'm only uh three or four episodes in. right right uh i feel so bad for this bartender 
who is just like a single mom and is doing her best and she takes a chance on some guy who treated her nicely. <laughs> happens to be the Punisher. I feel so bad for this character who I like I love. Like I don't like Marvel always does a good job of making you care about characters. Mm-hmm. Like they're very good at that. I don't know what it was about this single mother character that I just was drawn to. Uh except maybe that her kids like a Red Wings fan. I guess there's that. <laughs> But uh, one thing that we always talk about with Marvel is the Marvel banter and how good uh, they are at that. Mm -hmm. And I think we saw that really well with Frank here, uh, who, when he wants to be, he can be extremely personable. Like, he's very good uh, with uh, Rex is the kid's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, when he's walking down from their one night stand and the kid just happens to be in the living room and everyone feels that awkwardness. Yes, it's super awkward, but the kid's he's like, uh, let me guess here. Or he's like, I could tell you I'm a Rangers fan. Are you? Yeah, I am. Your team sucks. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah, yeah, no, Which no. It's like, you're wearing a Mrazic jersey. You, your team sucks too, dude. There's there, there's pieces of Frank that, that even though he is this shattered, broken character who cuts himself off, there is obviously still a, a piece of the old Frank in there, you know, the, you know uh, whether he was the Marine or, you know, the brother or whether he was uh, the dad. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. a few times throughout it too, especially with, you know, uh, his, his co-star this time, being a younger girl there are a lot of times where that sort of you know dad side of him shines through a little bit and you know i I think with rex and with his mom that's the last time he really lets it come through because you can even see in the way that that john bernthal portrays the character going forward there are moments of pain when he actually he actually lets that come come through um I, i think the the other thing that they don't do a perfect job of but i think that it was one of the only ways that they could have done it is uh you know leaving billy russo alive jigsaw um i think was a was a great choice uh because it's gives frank more stakes coming in to season two instead of just coming up with a brand new villain which they do also have but at least where i'm at right now and i only have three episodes to go those two storylines still stay a little disjointed it, it, it's it's not terrible by any means i still love the show i still think they're doing a great job and i'm not really sure how they could have converged them but thus far there is a little bit of disconnect between the two of them if that makes sense yeah i know I, I agree um i i am enjoying kind of the the kind of your the nebulous stories that we're having um that you know because we've seen uh, uh jigsaw now which, by the way, can we talk for a minute about how this portrayal of Jigsaw is the only good one I've ever seen? <laughs> I know some people are real mad that he's wearing a mask instead of like showing his face, but this Jigsaw is interesting at least. Like, there's something to him. I'm like, I'm legitimately uncertain if he is all just putting on an act, or if he is, um, you know, or if he has, is just has no memory of what happened. Well, well, well think about how far physical flaws, I mean, really go, right? Like, all right, you have a fucked up face, so you're really ugly. And maybe that makes you really angry about it, but he was already pretty, pretty pissed off at Frank. So it's not like he needed more reason to be more evil towards Frank. And what this does when, when you screw up 
someone's head and you mess with their mind. To me, that's something that is infinitely more interesting. It's something that I think is more relatable because everyone in in their head in one way or another, you know, has flaws or has, you know, some fucked up thing that they can relate to in some way. And it now opens up for a lot more interesting dynamics. What does he remember? What does he forget? In his head, is he still friends with Frank? Is Frank's family still alive? Like this allows for a so many more different and interesting character beats going forward. Right. The way that they decided that the jigsaw isn't his face, it's his mind was one of the best choices they could have made for this season. Absolutely. Like this whole idea of uh, piecing all together what happened and just the knowledge of if he does piece it all together that's going to be really bad like <clears throat> you find yourself like am i actually rooting for this guy to never get his memories back is that what i'm hoping happens like it's it's a really weird like telling of the amnesia trope mm-hmm. um uh, this other villain um uh holier than thou man what's his name uh he's actually referred to as john pilgrim in the credits right not not mads mickelson uh, <laughs> it looks like him though doesn't it a little bit like like a cousin or a brother maybe yeah totally yeah. uh he's interesting my biggest complaint with him is i feel like i've seen his character in a nostalgia critic uh movie once like the, the a whole like when he's uh, yelling at the one guy for like saying, "Oh my God, this technology is a miracle," and he's like, "Excuse me, what? Don't don't you dare worship technology!" I'm like, I, I feel like I've seen this character before somewhere, and I can't remember where I saw it. But America, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. That's fair. Mm-hmm. But uh, so he, you know, he would be kind of the other. We've got the villain who's building, who's probably going to be our end of season villain in Jigsaw, and we've got we we have Frank's villain, and then we have Rachel's villain. Basically, you know, they each have their own sort of issues that they're dealing with that, that are slowly going to collide. Um, he's definitely very much the uh, John Pilgrim, the sort of mysterious one. They're they're very slow and careful about revealing information about his past, um, but where I'm at, they're doing a very good job of it and it's staying pretty interesting and honestly, I'm not really sure who the end of the season villain is supposed to be or how they're going to wrap it all up but um, yeah, that's about all I have on him is, is he's interesting the way that they're going about it. Um, I think the one thing that, that I would have liked from it because the fact that they're taking, you know, uh, a straight white, uh, um, you know, Catholic man to, to put in as the villain, you know, if they're trying to say something, I wish they would have went a little bit further in saying it because, uh, nothing about it feels out of the ordinary. Like you said, I feel like I've actually seen this villain somewhere before, right. you know? Right. You're, yeah. It's not like he, he's kind of like, uh, the villain from a uh, Deadpool two, actually. Uh, not the, not the kid, but, uh, the guy, oh, who right. The, the guy who the, ran the, who ran the thing. Right, 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 right. Right. Yeah. A bit more you dangerous. know what I mean? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like him. He's just, he happens to be a religious zealot and he's definitely a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And that's really, you know, his one a and one B characteristics. That's it. Um, so I do hope we get a little bit more out of him. Like, I don't want him just to be bad for being bad sake. There has mm-hmm. to be a little bit more to it, which is why, like, again, Jigsaw is very interesting. 
his motivation is kind of wholly unknown, at least at the beginning of this season. Uh, it, you, you know, it's the, it, sorry, it's unknown to him. We know it mm-hmm. uh, as the audience who's seen season one, but to him, he do, he's got to kind of catch up with the audience, which is a really fun dynamic to watch play out. And I'm wondering if we're not going to see Frank become more of his own worst enemy this season. Um, no spoilers! Okay, I know. So again, uh, this is just what I know of the first couple episodes, so if you don't want to uh, have spoilers for the first two episodes, you might want to switch over to something else until you watch them. Um, but obviously, like Robbie was mentioning, you know, in the second episode, or yeah, second episode. He's got this girl, uh, you know, tied up in the hotel room, the motel room, and it's getting really, really uncomfortable. Like he's always been very much, you know, the ends justify the means. That's the Punisher. Mm-hmm. But usually, it's people who deserve it who's getting punished. And admittedly, I don't know if this girl doesn't deserve it. I really hate her. I mean. <laughs> Of all the characters who I do like on this show, I liked Rachel in the first season. I like uh, I liked Bartender Lady in this season. I hate this girl. I, I'm like, would you just Wait, shut up and Rachel tell me in the first season? Do you mean uh, uh, Agent Masani? Yes, yes, yes. No, Agent Masani was was great in the first season. Which, yes, obviously, teenage girl, super annoying. Let's talk about Masani. <laughs> in this season so far because because obsession has taken over i mean yes and 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 i and I, I suppose i do get that to an extent but uh i i don't know i don't know if it's the writing or if it's the if, or if it's the way that the actress has decided to portray it but there's there's something about masani and in, in the way that they're using her in this season that kind of makes me wish that I don't know if they hadn't or, or like really what's what's her what role is she actually serving here? Right. I like that they immediately kind of like, all right, we need to get this whole like, well, she can just bail Frank out of trouble. We need to get that off like that cannot be well I, I, I think i think what bothers me the most is you know she's the agent in charge in new york city for the nsa that's pretty high profile stuff right and especially after the cover-up and whatnot i feel like if she was going and seeing uh, uh, a jigsaw in the hospital every waking day that she possibly could and actually conversing with him first of all after the second or third time that that happens knowing that she was there when all this stuff went down the doctor should have been like absolutely fucking not right there is you are, no way that he is going to recover properly if you're in here. And what if you trigger some type of episode? You need to get out of here before I call someone and get you removed. So the fact that they allowed that to go on for a year really makes me kind of like, ah, uh, no, I don't know about that. You know, had, yeah. had she tried to go a few times, got banned or whatever, and then finds out that he gets loose, and then that triggers her obsession because it's like, I was right this whole time. He was holding something back. That might have felt a little bit better with me. Yeah, I mean, because as far as I've seen is he's just, you know, he, he says he has no memory. He only has the nightmares. And, and after a year of that, like if he was going to escape on his own and he had his memory, he's, he probably could have done it pretty quickly. Right. He probably wouldn't have waited a year. And that's what's kind of fun about her is, you know, she's like, he's playing you all for fools. He's sitting here laughing at me. And it's like, your obsession is getting a little unhealthy. Like, it's not often in series where, like, the, uh, the 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 police agent boss is the one you end up sympathizing with, but I sat there like completely agreeing with her boss is like you need to step away from this case and go do something else because mm-hmm. you cannot keep doing this. And as the audience, usually 
usually in that scene as the audience, you're like, but wait, I know he's actually evil and she's actually right. And <laughs> now we're left here like, no, he might have a point. You need to like get a hobby. Well, they, they, do, they do a good job with, again, with Russo and Jigsaw, where, where, where they put him at the beginning of the season. You do kind of actually like, like, like we know that he's a shitbag. We know that he's the absolute worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. But if he can't remember any of the stuff that he did, he's he's just another dude who's suffering and even though yes we know he's a bad guy there is part of me that can't help but kind of start to feel sorry for him because we want him to suffer but if he doesn't know why he's suffering are we really getting what we want or or not even that even from a selfish point of view are we actually getting what we want well it's it's one of the interesting um storylines that that it gets used every now and then like like law and order will play with it sometimes where it's someone you know commits a heinous act and then has amnesia and it's like can i be held responsible for the things that i can't even remember doing and you just like the reason we empathize with it is because we can picture in our heads can you imagine waking up and being told you did this and not remembering it and then being held accountable for it Mm -hmm. like i'm not sure i can picture like a worse hell in my mind because like as a, you just like i'm a decent person why would i ever have done that and now i have to like suffer for it that's not mm-hmm. fair mm-hmm. the the <clears throat> one complaint that i have about tropes where you for, where people forget stuff and then they suddenly remember and uh you know this is something that, that i had mentioned when we were talking about titans as well when starfire remembered oh yeah i actually want to kill raven and then she just mm-hmm. does it is that when when these memories suddenly come back, it's not like you've just been reset to that default position. You understand why you did it, did everything. You would also still have the feelings you've been feeling about right. how could I possibly do that, right? And, right. And, it goes back to like, do you remember the first Resident Evil movie when uh, the guy at the end, like he is like memories come back and he turns evil on a dime? Yeah, exactly. Like they never show the conflict between realizing, okay, I guess I am an evil shitbag. But what about all that empathy I had been feeling for the rest of the episode, right? Like, mm-hmm. like <clears throat> one of the parts that I'm really looking forward to is when uh, uh, Jigsaw does remember why Frank is the way that he is towards him. Like, that should be a big moment, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, to see how they handle that will actually be really exciting. Okay, yeah, I mean... Yeah, there's a lot that can be done with this. So, I mean, overall thoughts on Punisher season two, like first impressions, where, where are you at? Um, I'm definitely uh, giving it pretty high marks at this point. And again, I, I am almost all the way through it. I have about three episodes to go. They've done a lot of really interesting stuff. I think that they've found ways to to keep the story and what's happening natural without feeling like, you know, you use one of those giant uh, cartoon hooks to pull Frank back into it. Why he's there and what he's doing all feels very natural. The only thing that I'm a little eh about is the way that they've decided to re-involve uh, Agent Masani in the story. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the fact that John Pilgrim and Jigsaw, they feel like Rachel's enemy, Frank's enemy. And it's like, well, all right, we have to deal with this one, then we'll deal with the other one. And so it feels like there's two separate storylines kind of going on right now. Now, whether or so, not those converge at the finale, we'll see. But overall, I am still really liking it. So, I mean, I guess we're of kind of similar minds. My, my overall feeling with season two is it's a lot more disjointed than season one. Season one was a very cohesive, linear story. Event A led to event B, led to event C. And we, you know, this time I feel like you're right. It's, it's two separate forks that are going to converge at some point. 
and we're getting a story told to us in a different mindset. I don't have a problem with that per se. It's just kind of weird with given the context of the first season where we were very much following Frank's story. Um, overall, though, I give the first few episodes that I've seen, you know, I've seen up, I think I was, I probably fell asleep during episode four or something like that. Um, I'd say it's really good. I do like the way that they've brought Frank back into this. You're right. It's not like some ridiculous cartoon hook. You know, uh, Nick Fury didn't show up and say, you know what? You, uh, you gotta be the Punisher again. Here's your suit. Uh, instead, we've got, you know, a very real thing of Frank trying, or Pete, I guess it would be, uh, trying to have some normalcy and have some, you know, emotion and connection in his life. And in doing so, he just kind of stumbles back into all the things that he was trying to get away from. Mm -hmm. And that's a really interesting telling of it. Uh, it's way better than any Punisher book that I've ever read. So. Oh, tell me about it. The, the, the last Punisher comic I remember reading, I think it was actually in uh, Marvel uh, Ultimate Timeline. And I just remember he's sitting in general population just in prison because he's a, he's a criminal too. And right just decides, all right, now that I'm here, I'm just going to kill a bunch of dudes. It just starts killing people. And like, all right, Frank, you're going into solitary. And then that's where I love how they're reacting. <laughs> like, okay, Frank, solitary. you don't just get to start murdering a bunch of people. Yeah. Like, and then Nick they, Fury ends up busting him out to be part of his, uh, black Avengers operation or something like that. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty rough. Yeah. So uh, we do want to remind you guys, uh, if you are, are listening on the podcast, you can also tune into this show live. We record Tuesdays at noon Eastern time. Uh, uh, and we invite you to be active in the chat. Uh, ask us questions. It doesn't necessarily have to be about the topic at hand. Anything comics or gaming culture, you can always ask. Um, we're uh, we're getting close to wrapping up for today, but uh, if, we, if there's any questions in the chat, we'd be happy to happy to take a few. And we could also talk a little bit of a preview of next week too, because next week. Next week's going to be special, guys. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> What's the best superhero movie you've ever seen? Ooh, like, like, like what is my all-time favorite superhero yeah, movie? Yeah, what's the best one you've ever seen? <laughs> um, you know, watching back through the MCU, it's... Uh, I, I think I probably have to give it to the first Avengers movie. You know, it was the first time that we really saw something like that, especially on the big screen attempted and, you know, Marvel took their time. They did it right. And it, it was perfect. It was everything that I think anybody could have wanted it to be, you know, juxtapose that against the worst attempt at that, which is justice league. And I think it's a no, I think it's no contest. Right. Well, we're going to be watching, or we're going to be talking about the antithesis of Avengers, a story that no one wanted to see that didn't take its time. Oh, well, several not stories are written. I mean, unfortunately, it is one story. It's just Alan Moore's an insane person <laughs> who decided to write it as, yeah, like four stories in one. Uh, we just got to ask, what's the best movie you've ever seen and why is it Infinity War? Um, all right. So I love Infinity War a lot, uh, but I don't think it's the best purely on the fact that like... I think it was the best experience, but only given the context of all the movies that came before it versus the first Avengers, which as a movie, it stands alone. On, it stands up on its own better than I think Infinity War. Like Infinity War is great, but if you hadn't watched any of the movies before it, you'd be like, what? Versus uh, Avengers, the first one, where even without the movies that came before it, you could still pick up. Oh, well, well plus players. because, you know, we knew Endgame was coming and, and that a lot of those characters that were dusted, we knew had to come back because of contracts. I mean, 
as a single experience, yes, it was good. It was great. It was amazing. But there was a bit of kick that was taken out of it based on the fact that we know there's more to this story that we have to wait until next year to see. Yeah, knowing it was going to be, uh, you know, a two-parter, uh, almost detracted from it. Even though, like, they tried the whole thing of, like, well, remember, because originally it was going to be a two-parter, and then they're like, no, no, now Avengers 4 is a completely separate thing. They're two separate stories. There's a beginning and an end. And then you War, and you're like, I don't know about that. They're, they're one long story, effectively. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Hope yeah. you're, uh, ready to gear up for some time travel. Uh, did you, I did see that, uh, the current running theory, I think, is that, uh, the villain will be 2012 Thanos. Hmm. Uh, it makes sense, actually. Yeah, like, no, if no, they no. Go back it does, and try it and does. stop it all. He can still be the villain because it's him in that a- era. Right. Hasn't done right. The snap yet. Right. Like that's interesting. Actually, it could work. Yeah. Oh, time travel just seems so lazy. Uh it does. I just don't know what else you would do at this point. I know. <laughs> like, I know. Like, I'll put it this way. No matter what, it's going to be a Deus Ex Machina. You don't get to bring back half of all life in the universe without it being a Deus Ex Machina ending. Fine, that's fair, that's fair. But all right, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, Real now, quick, Roscoe on Twitch says, "I know it's new, but Spider Verse is the best superhero comic book inspired film ever made." Spider Verse you know, was absolutely incredible. There's there's an argument to be made for that being the case. As good as things like Infinity War and Avengers were. Spider-Verse did a lot of incredible things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely looking forward to... Uh, I, I think we do already have confirmation that they are planning on making more Spider-Verse movies. So yes. definitely looking forward to that. Definitely looking forward to that. Um, and obviously, I think when we when we both finish The Punisher, it might be worth uh, coming back and talking about again as well. So uh, definitely be so. on the lookout for, for that episode as well. But I do think that that's going to do it. That about uh, puts us at our 30-minute timeline. So... Joe, it's all you. Go ahead and take him out of it. All right. Well, make sure you guys tune in uh, every Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern for Checkpoint XP Daily. We've got shows going on every day of the week. We've also got uh, other programs for you guys to check out. We've got Dungeons and Dragons on Monday night. Soon we'll have Loathe at First Sight returning. Uh, we've got shows basically for every kind of gamer, so make sure you check those out. Follow us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter and Checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram. That's going to do it for today. So, until next time, <clears throat> will Robbie and Joe finally talk about All-Star Superman? Will it actually be the best thing they've ever seen? Find out next week. Same Twitch time. Same Twitch channel.